It's good to see you all here this morning. It's good to worship together. It's good to hear the Word of God together. Amen? Amen. You better say that. Before I start, um, I'd like to... Um, it's going to be kind of the start of my, my message. But as a lot of you know, about, I guess, 10 years ago, I started a correspondence with my father. Um, he was a hard egg to crack. He, he was a tough-shelled, thick-skinned... Uh, kind of obstinate skeptic. And I tried for 15 years to cram Christianity down his throat to no avail. And so I tried a more sane approach, a rational approach. And I began to write him letters. And to my surprise, he, uh, he bit the bait. And uh, <clears throat> we started a three-year correspondence um, of just him asking... All, I just said, Dad, give me, a, uh, give me a chance to tell you every reason why I am a Christian. And I want to give you a chance to tell me every reason why you're not a Christian. And even if we don't end up convincing each other, we'll know a lot more about each other. And that's a good thing for a father and son, don't you think? And he says, you know, sounds like a blank of a good idea to me. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, uh, we started that. And, uh, could you come on? and the result was is that uh, about seven years ago now, eight years ago, um, he, he came to the point where um, I guess he got checkmated or something. But he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior at the age of 73. And I just would like to welcome you to my dad. Introduce my father. Are you ready? Want to say anything? What? Want to say anything? I don't know. Just say hi. Praise God. Woo! Thank the Lord! Thank the Lord! Uh, he might kill me for this, I don't know, but... See, this is what... You can, you can, you can sit down. Ah. Dad, come over here. Just sit. <laughs> he wears these during our worship service. <laughs> these are earplugs. <laughs> The preaching, he doesn't think it's too bad, but that music is, is it's just a little, bit too, a little bit too much. You know, and he, he, he doesn't like to talk too much in public. Oh, 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 you got, your, you got your foot here. We don't want that to happen. You don't want to meet the Lord before you have to. <laughs> He's going to be celebrating his 80th birthday uh, ne next month, or two months. <laughs> Eight years old. And um, the thing is this, is that, you know, I've known my dad for almost 40 years now. 41 years. I don't even know how old I am. And um, God, God has just changed him. Uh, it's just been amazing. God not only, it's amazing that God can get through and save a person at the age of 73, but then God brings about changes. And, and uh, I was just talking with him and, and uh, his, his wife, and she was uh, really just talking more than he was about what the things that the Lord has done in his life. Uh, used to get hulky. We used to call it getting hulky. You ever seen the movie The Hulk? When he got mad, he got hulky. And uh, it's like, oh, he got really frustrated about things. And you never lose your temper anymore, do you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe once in a while, but you know what? Just in traffic. Yeah, just in traffic. Leave out the details. Um, but but uh, there's such a release in his life. He surrendered things over to Jesus Christ. There's a peace that was not there before. There's a joy that was not there before. And there's a tenderness in his heart that, that was not there before. Uh, you know, Dad, one of the things, hold this, you can say anything you want. Uh, but one of the things that just moved me, last hour he was in the chat room, 
and people came up and would tell you know, their stories a little bit. I, I asked anyone who, was, uh, who had been affected by some of his writings just to come up and, and just say something to him because I get it all the time, but he's down there in Florida and never hears it. And you, you get so teary-eyed just hearing about people's lives being touched. And that's one of the things that just to me is, is, is so God-glorifying that here's a person who is now moved by people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I just thank God for that. Praise God, Dad. I love you. I, 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 I just thank God for everything he's done for you. Got anything you want to say? Just say, God is good. Well, I met a lot of people down in the chat room. I'm very, very impressed with the things they had to say. And uh, I uh, was also impressed the number of people who are in the process of converting a father or mother or close relative, but haven't quite finished yet. And... Mm -hmm. uh, the thought occurred to me that maybe they should uh, hear the whole story. Mm -hmm. When Greg challenged me to answer some questions, uh, I, told, I accept. He was a graduate of Princeton, so had a doctorate, so I thought he pretty well established, but it'd be a nice challenge to convert him. <laughs> I'm so glad you stooped so low. The <laughs> little me. Praise God. Well, you know, the way, the way the Lord works is just great, Dad. And, uh, here we are standing up in front of all these people talking. Who would have ever thought? Yeah. Amen. Well, God bless. I love you, Dad. Thank you. Uh, we used to... Uh... <laughs> we, <laughs> we did a couple of... It's always a little scary for me to give him the microphone because God's still working on him. And... Uh... <laughs> And uh, we, we, we used to do some radio interviews together, uh, and they, we had to cut that short <laughs> because I, sometimes when he's uncensored, things would come out that would be uh, uh, just, it was funny. Anyways, he's still to this day, okay, uh, like he's still, to, when, he's, when he's excited about something I said, he'll say, Greg, that is a blank good sermon. And that's, <laughs> that's just a... He's the most real guy I know. Uh, he's, he's pure reality. Sometimes people would say, and now I'm leading into the message I want to talk about. We've been talking about revival. We've been talking about, um, uh, you know, getting ourselves in the position where God can move in our hearts and begin to fan the flame, the fire uh, of love in us and a burden for the lost and begin to shake the church up. And this morning I want to talk about the power of prayer. It's a topic I've talked on before. I don't think we can get too much of this. Sometimes people would, would uh, think that perhaps what, the reason why my dad came to know the Lord is because I used this argument or that argument. In fact, sometimes people would ask me, you know, what was the argument that really clinched it? Um, you know, what was the process of reasoning that you used that, that got in? Um, God uses, I think, to some people, logical arguments. I'm all for logical arguments. They're good. God uses relationships. When you talk to loved ones, uh, he'll use that. And, and the emotional bond between a father and son or a daughter and, and a mother or whatever, he'll use that to reach a heart. But see, what my dad didn't know, in fact, he didn't know this till this morning, actually, was that, uh, that those were not the things that really got through to his heart. While I was in correspondence with him for these three years, three years and 30 letters, Everywhere I went, every, every church I preached at, every message I gave, every class I led, whenever the topic would come up where I'd, I'd actually share his letters to people and, and get their input on what should be said in response or whatever. But I always asked people to pray. Would you just pray for my dad? His name's Ed Boyd. He lives down in Florida. 
And uh, if you can, if you feel so led, would you covenant with me to stay in prayer until he gets saved? And a number of people did that. And I would guess, I don't know for sure, but I would guess that probably by the time the three years were up, um, he must have had a thousand, maybe two thousand, maybe more people praying for him on a regular basis. Just interceding for Ed Boyd. People who, who didn't know him and people that he didn't know. But it just was orchestrated such that there was a bombardment of heaven uh, for this man's salvation. Now, I believe that even then, he stayed free. He could have chosen against God. I believe that. I don't think God ever turns people into robots. But I also know this, that the power of prayer, the way God has ordained it, is such that there was a release of the Spirit of God on him such that if he hadn't converted to Christ, he would have been the single most miserable man on the planet. God would make it very uncomfortable uh, for him to stay that way. You see, God is a God of order. He's a, he's a God of design, and he, he ordains things to operate by a, by a law of cause and effect. And when we understand the power that he has invested in prayer, the cause and effect law that is operative in the church, and we begin to act on it, things for the kingdom of God get done that never otherwise could be done. You can use the best arguments in the world and do that can use, you know, all sorts of strategies to win the lost, uh, to win the lost and, and you should do that. But you got to know, we, we have to know, if you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, know this, that there is nothing that holds a candle, that comes close to holding a candle to the power of prayer in terms of what gets things for the kingdom of God done. Amen? Think of this. In science, in fact, in any area that we have made progress in, uh, that human beings have made progress in, We've made that progress because we've come to understand the laws by which God sets things up. In fact, progress comes when we learn the laws by which God sets things up, we think the laws that God sets things up, and we act on the laws by which God sets things up. That's, how, that's what science does. It's learning how to work with the structure of things rather than against the structure of things. Most of the time in learning these laws, now follow me on this. This is a fairly technical point, but it, it will pay dividends later on in the sermon. Um, most of the time, learning these things is a matter of connecting two things together that you wouldn't think would be connected together. You find an overarching order or an overarching law that ties th two things together that you wouldn't otherwise think should be brought together. For example, somewhere along the line, I guess it was about the 15th or 16th century, I'm told, that Somebody discovered that if you boil your knives and utensils before you perform an operation on someone, you cut the rate of their dying about, uh, in, about, into about a third. Uh, they didn't know what an infection was, but they did know that after many operations, the person got red and feverish and pussy, and they died. And they just found by accident at first that if you boil knives and the other utensils before you use them, that doesn't happen as often. They later on learned why that was the case, because we've come to learn that what you can't see with the eye is that there's a bunch of germs all over the place, and there's bacteria, and they get on the knives, and when you use those knives to penetrate someone's body, it gets in there, and it's not supposed to be in there, and it causes people to get very, very sick. But they began to connect two things together that otherwise you wouldn't think have anything to do with each other. Pretend for a moment that you don't know what germs are. What possible relationship could there be between putting a knife in hot water and whether or not the person dies, they couldn't make that connection. But as a matter of fact, if you understand the order and the, 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 uh, the, the design of the world, and you can work with that design instead of against it, you're very much more effective on getting things done. Another example is this. 
Say you get a cut on your arm and in four days it gets all red and infected and gooey and pussy and it's, uh, it's infected, it's bad, and you get a fever and you're really feeling miserable about things. That used to happen all the time. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, someone discovered that if you eat some moldy bread uh, and, or, or some certain kinds of funguses, that all of a sudden the pus starts going away and the infection starts to cease and you don't have nearly the fever that you used to have. Now what possible, think about it, what possible relationship could there be between eating moldy, green, yicky bread and, uh, and, and having pus go away on your arm? I, sorry, but I'm driving on a point that you'll remember. You wouldn't, on, you wouldn't on the surface of things ordinarily think there's a relationship between the two, but as a matter of fact, given the order, given the design of things, there is a relationship between the two because there's something called penicillin, you see, in that, in that moldy stuff. And penicillin, we find, knocks out these sorts of infections. When people come to see the order, the law of cause and effect that operates in this world, then we can use it to our advantage. And all the progress of science has been the result of that. The sad truth, however, is this. For as much, for as much progress as we've made in the natural, on the physical level, in the material level, for as much progress as we've made in science, in terms of improving humanity and getting things done and making the world a better place. And that's a good thing. God wants us to have dominion over the world. That's good. But for all that progress, humanity as a whole, and even the church of Jesus Christ in particular, has not really learned the law of cause and effect when it comes to prayer. We know it theoretically, but we don't know it to the point where we actually do something about it, where we actually base our lives on this. Most people, and even most believers have trouble seeing the connection between what somebody was doing at 3 in the morning on August 14th, 1989, and my dad getting saved in 1992. They don't see the connection between somebody on Fargo, North Dakota, getting out of bed and praying at that time and interceding for this person that they just heard about but don't really know, interceding for them. You don't make the connection between that and what happened three years later as my father comes to salvation. But according to the Word of God, there is a law of cause and effect between those two things. But it's not a law that you could see with a natural mind. It's not the kind of thing you could prove with a, with, with a carnal spirit. It's a, it's a law of the kingdom of God. It's putting the two things together as God has ordained it. And what needs to happen, and we couldn't get it more important than this. This is a truth that the church is established on. What we need to see, what the church needs to act on, what the church needs to move in. It's God's design, God's order, God's law, that when the people of God get together and intensely pray, things happen for the kingdom of God. Amen? Things happen for the kingdom of God. Now, what I want to do here is this. I, I just was wondering how to pack this in to, to make it have the, the, the confrontation that's supposed to have. And I just felt the Lord saying, let me do that. And he's already done it for us in his word. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What I want to have happen here is for God to produce faith in us that prayer really works. Because we live with a materialistic worldview that systematically denies that. So it's hard for us to really believe that prayer works. So I want to read the Word of God here about prayer. I'm going to give you a litany of passages where God gives us promises, incredible promises about the effectiveness of prayer. As I'm reading these, it will raise questions to you. Try for the moment. We'll address those questions if we can in a little bit. But put those questions aside and let the Word of God confront you. In fact, I'm going to ask for your agreement on this. It's, it, it increases your faith if you have buy-in as I read the Word of God. So when I read it, if I say, 
Do you agree? Say amen. Or if I say amen, say amen. Because I want us together to have a united mind in terms of the power of prayer. I believe it will increase our faith in the power of prayer. Listen to the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 through 15. Lord, let this come alive. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Amen? Amen. If you want God to hear from heaven, if you want God to move, if you want God to heal the land, and I'd say we need that right now, wouldn't you? You can do a lot of politics, you can do a lot of lawyering, you can do a lot of talking, you can do a lot of different things, but the method that God gives his people to get that kind of stuff done, to see God move in the land, to see God move in the church, to heal things, is for the people of God to turn from their wicked ways, to seek his face, and to pray. Psalms 18, verse 3, I shall call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. If you want to be delivered from hassling foes, hassling spiritual foes in your life, the Bible says, pray to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Psalms 32, verse 6 and 7, let all who are faithful offer up prayer to you, O Lord, at the time of distress. Are you in distress right now? Some of you are. At the time of the distress, the rush of mighty waters will not reach them. You are a hiding place for me, O Lord. You preserve me from trouble. Psalms 55, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon will I pray. Evening and morning and noon will I pray, and he shall hear my voice. God answers prayer. Amen? Amen. Say it like you believe it. Amen. 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 Psalm 62, you hear prayer and you are the confidence of all the earth. Psalms 86, the Lord shows mercy to all who call upon him. Psalms 91, 15, the Lord says to his servant, call upon me and I will answer you. I will deliver you and honor you. Psalms 145, the Lord draws close to all who call upon him, all who call upon him in truth. If you want to draw close to the Lord, the Bible says the means of doing that is through prayer. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, in all of your ways, not just some of your ways, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. We're to be having this ongoing conversation with the Lord about prayer. Holy Spirit, build faith as we hear the word of God. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. You shall call upon me, says the Lord, and, and shall pray to me, and I will heed your cry. You shall seek me and find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Amen? Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Ask and it shall be given to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it is opened. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to them who ask him? Praise God. God's not the stingy little deity up there. Even we give good gifts. We're evil, but we give good, good, good gifts to our kids. How much more does the Father in heaven want to give good gifts to those who ask him? James chapter 1 says, We have not because we ask not faith believing. The Lord wants us. He's asking us to ask him to bombard heaven with our prayers, to get things for the kingdom of God done on this earth. Amen? Amen. Listen to this. Matthew 18, verse 19. If two or three shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew 21, all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. 
Matthew 11, what, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall receive them. Let the promise of God hit you between the eyes. John 14, whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it will be done unto you. Amen? Amen. John 16, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Thus far, you've asked nothing in my name. He's saying, I'm a little bit frustrated about that. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy will be full. God wants to answer prayer. He wants our joy to be filled. Ephesians 3.20, listen to this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, or even think of asking, according to the power that is already at work in us, to him be glory and honor forever. Amen? Amen. It is the truth, folks. Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Come boldly, come confidently before the throne of grace. James chapter 1. Just a couple more here. Holy Spirit, build faith as we hear the word of God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all people liberally. This isn't a little trinket deity who's like, oh, here's a morsel and another morsel for you. No, he, you ask and he loves, he delights, he gets off on pouring out answers to prayer. James chapter 5, I love this one. The fiery prayer, or the fervent prayer. Literally in the Greek, it's the heated prayer. The, the, the passionate prayer. I should get a, just a thesaurus and read the rest of the day on it. The, 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 hmm, the invested prayer of the righteous person is effective. Listen to this. Is effective and accomplishes much. Say effective. Effective. Say accomplishes. And say much. And accomplishes much. It's the word of God. He's given us his promise here. Finally, 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Here you have, and this is a small sampling, folks, of the kind of thing we find throughout the word of God. God has given to us here. We don't have to discover it by, by chance like they did with penicillin or like they did with, with uh, sterilization. He's given us ahead of time the law. Here's the order. Here's the mandate. If you pray, I will hear. If you pray, things get done. If you pray, the Spirit of God moves. If you pray, the land gets healed. If you pray, people get saved. If then, if then, over and over again, the Lord gives us this. Now, God always has a reason for what he does. He's a God of order. And a lot of times people have trouble really praying passionately and praying intensely and praying urgently because they just don't understand what difference it could possibly make. A lot of people have a theology that kind of says this, God is going to do whatever God wants to do anyways, and what I have to say doesn't make any difference. Or I'm too small to make a difference. Or I'm too sinful to make a difference. Or I'm just not a very important person to make a difference. God, he's in charge of the whole world, and so he doesn't have time for my petty little puny prayers. Think about this. God, the Bible says, wants a bride. The reason he created this world is, is to acquire a bride. His people are a bride. In other words, God wants a relationship with his people that is, that is basically like the relationship between a husband and wife. Only better. He wants that kind of intimacy. He wants that kind of love. So God, he ordains prayer to make that relationship conducive. What good is a bride who doesn't talk to you? And what kind of a marriage is that? So God ordains that we need to talk to him and that talking to him makes a difference. There's a reason for it. What good is a bride who doesn't listen but only talks? Think about this. I wish we would remember this when we pray sometimes. Because sometimes when we pray, it's a monologue. 
Oh, God. <laughs> now, how do you like being in relationships where it's, it's a one-way thing and you never get a word in edgewise? Think how poor God feels. He wants a bride who knows how to listen. So he ordains that prayer makes a difference. Not only what we say to him, but what he says to us. Not only that, but God wants a bride who's got character. God wants a bride who's empowered. God wants a bride who's got personality. God does not want a milk toast bride who is just a Pollyanna, you know. He wants a bride who, in a spiritually good sense, has a little bit of sassy. A bride who knows how to and is empowered to kick the devil's behind, the devil that used to kick her behind. God wants to raise her up and turn the cards around. So God ordains that there's a lot of prayer, and there's a lot of power invested in prayer. Amen? Amen. We have it there. We have say-so. You make a difference. You make a difference. God ordains it like that. And God also wants a bride who knows how to depend on him. He wants us to have a lot of authority, a lot of say-so, a lot of power in the spiritual realm. But he doesn't want us to get cocky about us. He doesn't want us to get arrogant. He doesn't want us to get his Jezebel spirit where we go our own way. And so he ordains it such that we only have this power when we're in relationship with him. That's why God ordains that prayer changes things. And that's why God ups the ante so much when it comes to prayer. He leverages so much. There is literally nothing in the Bible about which we have so many promises, so many radical promises, so many difficult-to-believe promises. There's nothing that God leverages so much on as the, as, as the activity of praying for him. What you get is this. Okay, just think about it this way. The bottom line here, folks, is, is this. We're the bride of Christ. And when the bride talks, the groom listens. When the bride talks, God ordains it such that when the bride talks, the groom listens. It's kind of like this. The other day I was at Bethel College, and I'm talking to some people out in the hall. Uh, important people, students and a couple faculty people. And then I got a pager. And I, I looked at the pager. And um, normally I would think, well, they can, they can wait. You know, I put it back there and... Hopefully remember that they called. Um, but this was a pager from my bride. And that means something different, you see. Uh, and it's not, because, it's not because I think, oh, I got to do this. Uh, you know, she would wait, but it's because I want to do this. If my bride has something to say, if my wife has something to say, uh, I, I, I want to listen. I want to hear it, especially if there's a 911 after the pager number. <laughs> uh, like, this is crucial stuff. So you say, you know, you guys, uh, listen, I'm sorry, I got to cut this short. I, I got someone I got to call here, and I dismiss myself. Because when the bride talks, the groom wants to listen. And I get this picture in the court of heaven. You know, the Bible says that God has a court. And I don't know if this is technically accurate, but, but it, 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 is, it is at least emotively accurate. God has, the Bible says, this is accurate, a court in heaven. Uh, he, there's a, he's, he's the Lord of the host. There's this heavenly assembly that get together every once in a while. You know, you read in the beginning of the book of Job. They would get together, and they talk, and they have give and take, and, and God asks, you know, for their input. You read about it in the Old Testament, especially, who will go for us, and who shall we send, and things like this. Um, so there's a court. There's an assembly up there. The angels get together, and they talk to God, and God talks to them, and it's a great time. But see, here's what we got to know is that the angels are important, and they're great, and they have a lot of authority, but they're never called the bride of Christ. In fact, they don't, they've never been redeemed. They don't have this kind of relationship uh, that we have with the Lord. And the impression I get is this. When I go to pray, the devil wants me and wants you when you go to pray to, the devil wants you to think that this is the least important thing in the world. 
And sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? You go to pray and the devil just says, you know, this is a monumental waste of time. Think of the 18 different things you could be doing right now that would really make a difference, that you could see the difference it would make. Uh, you're going to go on your knees here and you're going to talk to the ceiling and it's going to bounce off the walls. It's not going to make a bit of difference. No one will ever know that you did this. You'll go to your grave having wasted one hour of your life. There's a lot else you could do with it. It feels so unimportant. And besides, the devil says, you're a sinner, you're reprobate, you don't think good thoughts. God maybe will listen to that person, but he won't listen to you, so give up right now and do something that's productive. But see, here's what I know. It's like this. is When, when I get down on my knees to pray and, and I just say, Father in heaven, I really believe something like this happens. I don't care what else is going on in the court of heaven, but the Lord just got a pager and he says, oh, wait, 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 wait. My bride wants to talk to me. My bride wants to talk to me. He's got something that he wants to say, praise God. And I don't mean, I don't mean to diss you angels. I don't mean to diss you angels. I like you well, but we're talking about my bride, and I've just structured things so that when this pager gets through, this pager gets through. You guys, I like this bride. I love. I'm going to listen. God has made it such that when you talk, when you whisper Jesus' name, when you go before the Father, he's all ears. He's all listening. He wants you to ask. He wants to pour it out. He's orchestrated that way, and there's tremendous power in that. He could do it all unilaterally, but he doesn't want a bride that just goes along with things. He wants a bride who is being trained to be on the throne with him. Bilheimer, Paul Bilheimer, I think that's his name, wrote this book called Destined for the Throne. I've mentioned it before from the pulpit. Great book. Little thin book, powerful on prayer. And, he, and here's another analogy he uses. He says prayer is like a, a loan or a trust fund uh, that you get out of a bank. There's a certain kind of trust fund or loan, I, I'm told, that you can get out of a bank. Rich people have them. How would I know? But you, you get these out of a bank, and you got to co-sign them. The bank has to sign it. You know what I'm talking about, some of you? Uh, no one knows. But I, rich people have this. You know, someday we should ask one. Uh, but they have this loan where you got to co-sign it. Um, and there's a lot of other things. You know, when you co-sign for your, you know, your daughter wants a car, and you got to co-sign for a loan, that's not always a good idea. But some... In this bank thing, to disperse the money, to disperse the funds, you have to have two signatures. The bank is willing to do it, man. That's what it's there for. We want to do it. But the question is, do you want to do it? And it will not get released till you sign on to it. There has to be two signatures there. So it is with many things in God's providence. There are things that God wants to get done, really wants to get done. There's blessing he wants to unfold. But it's kind of like a bank account. And because he wants to talk to his bride, because he wants his bride to talk to him, because he wants his bride to be empowered, and because he wants his bride to depend on him, he binds himself to this, that I will not move unless they ask me, unless they intercede, unless they're on their knees, unless there's a relationship here. But when the bride of Christ gets that law, gets that order, finds out how God orchestrated things, and when the bride begins to act on that, then we're co-signing the loan of God's will, as it were. And I'm telling you, friends, the... the the, the blessing is dispensed. The power is dispensed. This is why Jesus taught us to pray this. Father in heaven, help us to get it right now. This is the summary of, of every prayer we pray. It's our Father. Thy will be done, Father. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer, it's like speaking with authority like we talked about last week. Prayer is our co-signing God's will. He's got his will. But he wants a bride who rules with him, Revelations 5.10 says. He wants a bride who's got say-so. He wants his bride who's got anti-demonic sassy, praise God. And so he sets it up such that when we pray, now it's as thy Father's will is in heaven, so it is on the earth. And so our prayer has got to be lining up with God's will and praying, Father, your will in heaven, let it be done right here, right now, in my family. 
Your will in heaven, let it be done in my life. Your will in heaven, let it be done with my father. Your will in heaven, let it be done with my neighbor. Your will in heaven, let it be done with the sick. Your will in heaven, let it be done with the lost. And we co-sign with God's loan, and it's as I, thy will is in heaven, so it is down here on earth. That's why Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Matthew 16, you've got... Lord, help us to see the incredible authority. Here's how much the authority is. The verse says the next, the next moment, the Lord says, and I give to you the keys. It's like me giving my daughter keys. You got the keys. I give you the keys. Now you, now you get to drive. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. The keys there are the power of prayer, the power to do spiritual warfare, the power to intercede, the power to make a difference. Now let me leave, with, leave us with a couple of tips here about this. Number one, know that in prayer, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that the devil wants you to do less than pray. And so you have to believe that any resource he has available, he will use to get you to stop praying or to get you to never start praying. You go to pray. You set aside time to pray. And all of a sudden you feel profoundly bored. You go to pray and all of a sudden you get this incredible fatigue. Somebody say amen. <laughs> you get this, like, it's like, oh, I guess I'm more tired than I thought. You know? And you, went, you were so excited, and you were going to do this wonderful intercession thing, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, I, you know, tomorrow maybe. Tomorrow maybe. Or you go to pray, and you get a stomachache. You go to pray, and the, the child starts crying. You go to pray, and you get a fight with a, your husband. You go to pray, and the phone starts ringing. You go to pray, and the faucets start leaking. You go to pray, and anything can begin to happen. And some of it's just natural coincidence, some of it. But you've got to know this. There's a very powerful strategic force who's out to get you to stop praying. Because while we sometimes don't see this law of cause and effect, the prayer, prayer in Fargo saves the person down in Florida. While we sometimes don't see it, the devil does see it, and he doesn't want us to act on it, amen? And so he will try to stop you. Know that to become a prayer warrior is going to involve warfare. Number two, the Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto you. And this is a, a, a very important point here. According to your faith, be it unto you. There's a relationship between the faith with which we pray, the passion with which we pray, and the fire with which we pray, and the effectiveness of our prayer, the, the effectiveness of it. We need to pray faith-believing. Now, here's the difficulty. We normally don't see, or at least we often don't see, immediately the result of our prayer. We don't see that. And the carnal mind, therefore, gets discouraged. It says, well, you know, when I turn on a light switch, boom, the light goes on. So I, I, I believe the law of electricity. And, you know, every other law of cause and effect on a physical level, I know when I do it, it happens. But when I go to pray, I don't see it like that. We live in a society that wants it just like that. When I go to pray, I don't see the results right away. So it's hard for us to believe that there's a connection between this and this. We don't see it. It's not clear. But how important it is that we, by the Spirit of God, Believe God's word, whatever the physical evidence may, may, may be. God tells us in his word that, his, that the prayer, the, the passion of prayer of a righteous person is effective and accomplishes much. I believe it. It's effective and it accomplishes much. But we don't always know. In fact, I usually don't see how it is effective and accomplishes much. You ever heard of chaos theory? Some of you have heard of chaos theory? I, I, uh, I love chaos theory. Uh, I'm, into cha I'm reading it. I'm obsessed with it. I, I, just, I, I think it's an incredible thing. And what chaos theory tells you is this. That's right. I'm going to give you a 30-second lesson on chaos. And God's going to help me. But it's so important here. It really is. Chaos theory basically tells you this. Even, 
all order is an order between connecting these two things which don't seem to appear to each other. Chaos theory says this. Even when there's chaos, many times there's a connection between this part of the chaos and this part of the chaos. Things connect that you would never dream connect. For example, you can prove mathematically now that the reason why a hurricane happened in Miami last year or whatever is because some moth flapped its wing in Africa three years earlier. Things are so interconnected that the, the flap of that wing caused a domino effect that resulted in a hurricane in Miami uh, three years later. The world is a complex, complex place. We often don't see, we are, when we pray, this is getting a little weird, but, but it will work. When we pray, we're like a little moth flapping its wing. And we got to believe God when he tells us, if you flap your wing, it will cause a hurricane. We don't see the hurricane right away. We see it down the road, maybe. We see this or that. But you got to believe. You pray regardless of the results are right there right away or not. We don't, oftentimes, we don't know why prayer isn't answered the way we'd want it answered. Pray for a young lady last week who, who's got scoliosis. And we did intercession. We prayed fiery prayer, passionate prayer, believing prayer. But we didn't see any results. And I don't know what's going to happen with that. But I do know this. Our faith is one variable. Her faith is another variable. God's providential design is another variable. And there's a whole lot of spirits in this world that also are variables. We don't have enough information to know why it works sometimes and why it doesn't work another time. But, but you just got to know this. Lock it in. Write it in stone and sear it into your brain that there's no wasted prayer. How do you know that? Because Jesus tells you that the prayer of faith is, 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 is effective and it accomplishes much, praise God. If God can't apply this right here and now to this thing, he'll cause a hurricane later on somewhere in the spiritual realm. There's no waste of prayer. Ask God to give you a spiritual sight to maybe see how he's applying your prayer to different things. But keep on praying. Third point. I'm getting to the end here. Third point. We need to pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. This is part of the law. This is part of the order. This is part of the knowledge that you've got to boil the knives in order to not get infection. God ordains that persistent prayer accomplishes much. Um, he, he, Jesus tells us to pray like a, a person who wants to get their case heard by an unjust judge. Okay? And, and it basically says this person's obnoxious morning, noon, and night. Knocks on the door like the psalmist says. I pray to you in the morning. I pray to you at noon. I pray to you at night. Could be about the same thing. Keep on knocking, keep on knocking. Pray like a person who needs to get some bread in the middle of the night because they got friends coming over and they didn't prepare for it. So they knock and knock and knock and knock. And you say, go away, I, you know, I'm too tired. They come back and they knock and knock and knock. In other words, our groom is telling us to beseech him obnoxiously, to pray with a, with a godly obnoxiousness that will not let go of a thing. It's like Jacob wrestling with the angel, remember, in, in, in Genesis, wrestling with the angel that says, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I don't care if it wounds me. I'm not going to let you go. And the Lord rewarded that persistence. We often, see, this is such an important principle because we often forget about stuff. I told you last week how I've been praying for my neighbors. I, you know, just had, God just put that on my heart. And I, I immediately saw a little bit of a, some effects going on. But you know what? This week was harder. I forgot a couple of days. Because you know, last week I was used to it. It was new. I was still fired up. Now it's like, well, I, I just forget. Other things going on. I need to hear this. Word of the Lord saying, don't quit knocking on my door. Pray with persistence. If God puts it on your heart to pray, pray with persistence. Now, be listening to God, because God can sometimes release you. Okay, the Lord sees in the visible realm, sees that right now this isn't going to happen. Now you go in a different direction. Pray in a different direction. And we need to be walking in the Spirit so that we're responsive to that. So we're not you know, directing our time and energy towards things that aren't going to make a difference. You can't pray for everybody, and you can't pray for everything. And don't promise someone you're going to pray if you really know that you don't have time to. 
You're making an oath there. Just be honest and say, sorry, I don't have time. My prayer thing is full. Uh, we got to be okay with that. But let God tell you what you should pray for. And when God puts it on your heart, pray with persistence. Don't give up. Many times, many times God answers our prayer, but by the time he answers it, we forgot that we even prayed it. Uh, I, we'd have so many testimonies. Sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit or an angel will remind us. It's like, oh, yeah, I, re- I forgot. I was praying about that. Oh, there is a God, you know. Uh, great faith warrior. We need to remember what we're praying for and, and, and be looking for it. You know, and it may just be that you flap your butterfly wing at one point, and you keep on flapping it, all of a sudden you see a monumental Miami hurricane in the spiritual realm, and the Lord says, hey, you know what? You had something to do with that. This guy who got saved down in Florida, yeah, do you remember that night you were interceding on his behalf up in Fargo? There's a relationship here. You see, don't give up as long as it's on, on your heart. The final point is this. You pray with faith. You pray, you pray uh, with persistence. Pray with, in, in agreement with other people. In the physical realm, we know this. The spiritual realm is not different than the physical realm. It's just that we can't see it. The, 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 in the physical realm, I know that if I got a rock to move out of my yard, if I got two people, um, I might be able to move it, but it'll be hard. If I got three or four, it'll be easier to move. If I got ten, it'll be easy. God is a social God. He wants us to be social. He wants us to work together. So he ordains that everything that we do is increased exponentially when we do it together. That's why Lone Ranger Christianity is impotent Christianity. People who float out there all by themselves, they can do a little bit of good here, a little bit of good there, but you know what? It's, none of the, it's not nearly the good that they'd be able to do for the kingdom of God if they were in agreement, in a body, related, in relationship with other people. So also, when there's things that we need to be praying about, things in your heart, get other people to join with them. Become prayer partners on things where two or three are agreed together. Get other people maybe who are believers in your neighborhood to be praying for your neighborhood. You know, we're getting some testimonies in about this that are, are just incredible. Believe in the power of that. Now, tonight, tonight we're going to have a prayer meeting here. We're going to have a half hour of worship, and then we're going to have about a half hour or more of prayer, uh, kind of a concert of prayer. Uh, a person from Ed Silvoso's ministry is going to be here to lead us in a concert of prayer. Uh, we're going to try to then get Ed Silvoso uh, satellite dished in here um, if, if the equipment works. It's never worked before, but hopefully this time it will. Um, but, you know, if not, we're just going to sing and pray some more. But I encourage you, if it's possible to be here at 6 o'clock, uh, come and be a part of this. We're going to agree together to be praying for our neighborhoods throughout this week. Secondly, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday evening, uh, from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we are trying to get as many Christians together in the Twin Cities to be praying about their neighborhoods at the same time. It will be coordinated via radio, uh, station 980 KKMS. If two or three agreeing together can accomplish great things, how much will two or three, 20 or 30,000 Christians agreeing together accomplish much? You see, where our goal is to get, we, we, we're estimating just on the basis of buy-in that people have had, that there'll be between 20 and 30,000 Christians, maybe more, listening to this radio station and agreeing at that time, praying together at that time for their neighborhoods. If at all possible, Set aside that one hour and, 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 and listen to that. And there'll be different pastors and Ed Savoso and others who are going to be leading those prayers. I might be uh, leading it on Tuesday night. I'm not sure yet. But, uh, but be, be, be listening to that if at all possible. Be praying for your neighborhood. And finally, and I leave you with this, let God help you and equip you and motivate you to become a person of prayer who just has got prayer on their lips all the time. It is so sad that the body of Christ, to a large degree, relies on the natural laws of cause and effect to get kingdom work done when God wants us to be 
way more invested in the spiritual law of cause and effect. Be letting the Lord creating you a faith and a confidence in the power of prayer. Know that though you feel like a little moth flapping your wing, that in God's providence you're causing hurricanes in the spiritual world. Become a person who instinctively prays in the morning, in the afternoon. Uh, you know, it's not a fancy thing. Sometimes my wife and I are just walking and we're talking and we just start praying. We're just, our eyes are still open, that's okay. And uh, it doesn't have to be a pompous, religious, thou, thither, wither thing. It's just a natural thing. God's right there, so it's like, God, what do you think about this? You know, you're just talking to the third party who is always traveling with you. Become a people of prayer. As we're dismissed this morning, take that mandate out with you. As we're dismissed this morning, if you, have, if you want to sit and pray for a little bit in your chair, feel free to. Uh, we'll have a prayer team. In fact, prayer team, if you want to come forward right now, who will be stationed around here. And if you want someone to pray with you, uh, feel free to do that. Otherwise, let me close in prayer. Father in heaven, we marvel at the design of your creation by which you have invested your bride with such say-so. Lord, I pray that you would help us walk with that awareness, with that confidence, with that conviction that though in the world's eyes prayer is an insignificant, silly, silly thing, in your eyes the fate of nations hangs on it. The course of history is changed by it. The kingdom of God is established by it. Give us that perspective, Lord. I pray for the person here who for some reason has a lie in their mind that says that you don't hear them. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd give them the picture of the pager going off and you calling a stop to every other conversation in the heavenly realm so you can listen to them, Lord. Make us a people of prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.